If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. They talk, talk, talk about, talk about songs. Oh, yeah, that's how that theme song goes. Nice to have you back, Andrew Byrne, James Taylor theme, which is what we call it privately. Doesn't matter. Anyway, welcome to episode 185 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I am your host, Mark Blankenship, and with me today and ever is my whizbunculous host, Sarah D. Bunting. Oh, I think that's my favorite one yet. Uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. Um, thank you, my non-dubious hero, Mark Blankenship, for that intro. Uh, it's episode 185. That may mean a mini ranker, and sure enough, today it does. Here is what we are doing today. We are discussing and ranking, with the help of our Patreon supporters, eight songs with heroes that we're supposed to think are cool and we super don't. It's the Dubious Heroes episode. Uh, This was inspired by my re-listening to The Gambler on the occasion of Mr. Kenny Rogers' passing. Um, Side note, if this is the first that you're hearing about that, it's... I'm sorry that you're hearing it from us. There has been a lot going on, but it became evident uh, in recent days that not everybody was aware that the gambler had passed away. Anyway, he did. I re-listened to the gambler and I was like, you know, no offense to Kenny Rogers or the song, which remains a great one, but the gambler himself is kind of a butt. (laughs) And we will get into why when it is the gambler's time. Um, to cross the threshold of our scorn. Um, But with y'all's help, we compiled a list of, like I said, eight songs whose heroes uh, are not, in our humbles, any such thing. Um, With the help of our Patreon supporters, we are going to rank them. Here is what they are. We will be going in alpha order by title. All I Want to Do is Make Love to You by Heart. Devil Went Down to Georgia by the Charlie Daniels Band, Escape, the Pina Colada Song by Rupert Holmes, The Gambler, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John, I Started a Joke by the Bee Gees, I've Never Been to Me by Charlene, and Teen Angel by Mark Dinning. Yes, I'm already laughing because I screamed at these people in my notes to get therapy and also laughed until I cried at some of these songs. They are kind of terrible. They are also kind of wonderful. Just in case you've never heard one of our ranking episodes before, here's how it works. We rank them first through eighth. 
the first place song gets eight points, second place seven points, so on and so forth. Patreon supporters also ranked them. Mark ranked them. We're going to add all those things together. Mark's going to do some magical arithmetic, and then we will crown a, I guess, everyone's a loser of the Dubious Heroes song, Sweepstakes. And just as a reminder, if you are listening and thinking, gosh, how can I get in on the voting action in these polls? I understand, boo. Everybody wants to vote. It's important. All you have to do is become a patron of this podcast at patreon.com slash Mastis. You can vote in polls like this one. You can listen to our special monthly patrons-only bonus episodes. And you can join us for our live-streamed Mastis Patrons Happy Hour, which have become, Sarah, I think it's fair to say, pretty awesome every week <laughs> yeah they, they've definitely been a highlight for me and they have challenged my cocktail creativity last week it was a bourbon lemon ricky and uh you know uh, buncey is maybe a little bit different at 658 than she is at six o'clock so you should check it out <laughs> also it's become this thing where i'm also struck by every week the weird thing from my apartment that i feel the need to show on camera Last week, it was a quilt made out of my old t-shirts. What will it be next week? Probably something (laughs) that could get me sent to jail. Who knows? Anyway, um, so I also want to say thank you to the patrons for helping us choose some of these songs. Your your choices were amazing. And one of the songs that definitely got suggested by a lot of people as a thing that should be included on this list is All I Want to Do is Make Love to You, the reasons why... (laughs) To be discussed in a moment. Uh, Sarah, before we jump into all that, why don't we listen to a clip of this heart hit? Okay, but buckle up, folks. I tell you what, Sarah, I have been listening to this song regularly since it came out in 1990, when it reached number two on the Hot 100 and thus became Hart's last top ten hit, and I never, ever stop feeling a certain awed horror at the section of the song that you just clipped when she says, I told him, I am the flower, you are the seed, we walked in the garden... We planted a tree because what she is describing there is getting pregnant by a stranger that she picks up during the, a rainstorm off the side of the road. She later then sees the guy again holding the baby that they made together, and she explains to him, please, <laughs> please understand, I'm in love with another man, and what he couldn't give me, oh, whoa, was the one little thing that you can which is a motile sperm, I suppose. And, uh, I, she, <laughs> like, what, Sarah, at what, how do you know when you're driving around at night looking for a baby daddy that that guy right there in the rain, who doesn't even have the sense to have an umbrella, is going to be able to knock you up? How do you know? Well, and the way, like, it's, it's clear 
that he gave her like a dozen orgasms like together they whatever yes what but is the um, ha- he brought the woman out of me so many times so many easily times. i don't get it <laughs> like I, I i get it and here's the thing i am all for um owning your drive for anonymous fucking yes fine but how how do you know that this guy is going to give you a chain of big O's? You don't. Um, how do you know that his big O's are the ones that you're going to want? Like, what if he has Huntington's disease in his family? Uh, <laughs> there is a little thing called an AIDS crisis. That shit would still kill you in 1990. What are you doing? Furthermore, in the video, like... All of this is enough just qua song. Yes. But then in the video, this so-called magical trick D is rolling the woman's head around like he's a chiropractor. <laughs> it's very weird and not sexy at all. And then he's sort of nibbling on her like she's baby corn and he's Tom Hanks and big. Not cute. No, I'm not into that. And then in the like concert bits of the video and wilson is dressed like edie mcclure why <laughs> that is this happening she's wearing this us? like drum majorette blazer this like it's, with all these buttons on it it's weird it's like a wine color Girl. and then it also has a velvet collar so it's something that like um patsy ramsey would wear during a television interview <laughs> like it's just not it. And you know, another thing I had never thought and about yet before. The song is so singable and fun. Like, it's fun to sing musically, but then <laughs> this crazy shit is happening with the lyrics that does not understand botany, by the way. Like, I'm the flower and you're the seed. That's not how that works. No, There's no. pollen. And like, we walked in the garden, we planted a tree. Like, the image that you're going for doesn't quite track. But we'll get to that in a second. Because one thing I'd never thought about before when I watched the video, uh, (laughs) until I watched the video again recently, when she comes back, the character who gets knocked up comes back and he he sees her baby. And And they happen to run into each other like, girl, move out of the area. What are you doing? But doesn't it look like that he's working in a hotel? Yeah. So, like, okay, here's my fucking question. Pay for another set. Did did he always work at the hotel? And if so, did she give him a lift back to his hotel? And if so, why was he walking around in the rain when he's gainfully employed at a place with beds? Like, just sleep at the hotel, dude. I just also, feel like there are so many holes. A big old frumpy sedan from the eighties. There's plenty of room to get it on back there. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just and yet yeah. and yet, just like you said, this song is kind of awesome. The, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, the reason that this song was a huge hit, I guarantee you, is because the chorus doesn't have anything to do with this story. Yeah. All you have to do is just sing, All I wanna do is make a love to you. Put a baby in me. I want you to you and don't then have to say get that. Lost. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I was. It's just. It's got such a great hook, and it was written by Robert John, quote Mutt Lang, who oh, sure. who wrote all of Shania Twain's hits with her, who wrote Everything I Do, I Do It for You by Brian Adams. He's a big 
and he also worked on a lot of the ACDC albums. So he's really been all over the map in his career. And this is the rare song that he wrote Did alone. Did this happen to him? I don't, was, was he I don't the know. guy? So here's something interesting. This song originally was created, <laughs> he originally wrote this song in the 70s, and it was performed by Dobie Gray of oh, Drift sure. Away. But in the in the version that Dobie Gray sang, it's just about fucking. There's no plot line at all about right. getting impregnated. And so that means that somewhere along the line, between the, the mid-70s and 1990, when this became a single, Mutt Lang was like, you know what this song needs? It needs more anonymous fucking and desperate need to conceive. I think it just needs more of that. And somewhere, someone else was like, yeah, Mutt, you're right. And then, at some point... Annie and Nancy Wilson, who are on record, I found, saying that they think the lyrics to this song are atrocious, were like, <laughs> okay, I guess we will sing this song. I like money. And the craziest thing to me of all is that this was a number two hit. And it's so weird that it was the last top ten hit that Hart ever had, but also so fitting for the end of the 80s. Like, 1990 means, like, we're getting out of the 80s moment. And how absolutely perfect for the excess of the era that this song should be such a big hit. And Sarah, that is why, despite my knowledge that the narrator of this song is a doof, uh, despite my knowledge that in some way this probably is the song that inspired All That She Wants Is Another Baby by Ace of Base, (laughs) despite my knowledge that there there are no good choices being made, I put this song in second place, seven points. I mean, there are a lot of worse choices being made on this list, (laughs) and nothing will ever replace the experience in my heart of this song being belted during carpool to the absolute despair of Mrs. Canner, who is clawing at the radio console while a bunch of 13-year-olds who have never kissed a boy with tongue, or a girl, are wailing, all I want to do is make love to you. (laughs) So where did you rank it? Uh, so that is worth a bronze medal. Number three, six points. Well, you and the patrons are in complete alignment. They also put this song in third place with six points. So I feel like we, we've got a podium contender here from, mm-hmm. oh my God. And you know, I did want to just, another note, I know that Anne and Nancy Wilson hate, to some degree, the 80s and 90s heart hits because they didn't write them and they felt pressure to create them. But thank God we have them. Who well, else could have sold this song? You would never know from their performance yes. that they felt ambi- ambivalent about it. So, And it takes a vocalist like Ann Wilson to to sell this shit. Let, let's just yeah. say that. Um, yeah. So next, we have a song that reached number three on the pop charts and number one on the country charts in the 70s. Uh, that is, of course, the Charlie Daniels Band and The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Yeah, the next two hits I'm familiar with because, I mean, I've always loved Escape, but um, in order to find it, I had to buy one of those um, Billboard Top 10 hits of 1979 sets, and The Devil Went Down to Georgia was the last song on Side B. Um, Maybe it could have done a little better if it understood how things work in the world. This is the hackiest observation in pop music uh, commentary, but I don't care. The The Devil's Band is clearly superior. <laughs> clearly superior from the jump. And Johnny is a rude little fuckstain. Here's a clip. 
He pulled the bow across the strings and it made an evil hiss. Then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this. Johnny said, well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. Fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Yeah, he is. With your soul, because he had won two bars into that shit before the band even came in, and the band is fucking awesome. I don't know who's on piano, Justice for Mephistopheles, whatever, Okay, that is A through F. G. Well, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sit. Yeah, probably is. I'd also like to know that the um, the premise for this entire song is that the devil is behind on collections. Yes. So he's obliged to face off with this little asshat. Like... It was the 70s. You really think the devil was running short? Give me a fucking break. <laughs> Studio 54 alone, the devil's just standing by the back door like click, click, click. Like the, the, the devil does not have this kind of problem. <laughs> uh, I think that is all my objections. Oh, here's another thing. <laughs> what the fuck good is a gold fiddle? Did nobody read King Midas? It's solid gold. You can't play that bullshit. Honestly, yeah, you're not going to get any sort of tone out of a gold fiddle. And then he tries to dunk on the devil by calling him a son of a gun. Look, (laughs) you little twat. Take your useless gold violin and run before old Nick figures out that he made a huge mistake in letting you win. But no, he's like, I'm the best it's ever been. You're not. You're not even the best person, like, in this song. The dude's harmonizing with you. Like, take your chicken cornbread lyric and shove it up your ass. I really Uh, hate Johnny. Mark, your thoughts? Well, does it in any way soften your rage to know that in the unedited version of the song, he calls him a son of a bitch? Um, I do know that. No, it does not. Okay. Does it in any way like you're a son of a bitch? Like, no, he's not. He's a fallen angel. That's not how that works. Does it in any way mitigate for the devil? I I remember you being mad recently, too, that Johnny doesn't give his last name. (laughs) Yeah. Come lately. Be not that good. Oh my God, Johnny is Crozier! Is that his last? Is Crozier his last name? Thing to be angry about, but, but I am angry. He's Johnny Crozier, Johnny and Crozier. <laughs> yes, he is. Crozier, Jesus Christ! Yeah, Jesus Christ will help you, Johnny. Um, I do want to say, does it mitigate your? Well, another question: Does it mitigate your rage to to know that? All that stuff about chicken in the cornbread and mama does your dog, granny does your dog bite, that those are all quotes of popular Appalachian folk songs. Um, yeah, I knew that too. 
but clearly it doesn't. You're like, nope, fuck you, Johnny. Yeah. One thing. Well, one thing that like you're better than Robert Johnson now. Fuck out of here. One thing that I find striking from an es- eschatological is that how you say that? Like eschatology, but yeah. like it's an eschatological uh, conundrum. If the devil is trying to meet a quota, to whom does the devil answer? Yeah. Because if the devil has to get souls because he's behind, that means he's not the boss. And if the devil's not the boss of hell, who is the boss of hell? And therefore, eschatology, when we get to the end times, who are we going to fucking see? I mean, I'm Roseanne? a theist, and I kind of feel like God is all and is in all, and that includes evil. And if that breaks your brain, that's how God, that's how God does. <laughs> it's not for mortals to know. But like, but I, I, I've been really feel like, like the devil's sales team was just fucking up. So the devil had to like put on oh. shoes, put on I, hooves, go out, do the shit himself. I like. It's like I can't trust my team. I've got to do this because if we don't, who's going to run the jewel jukebox down in hell? Well, really, <laughs> he's like looking at the um, he's looking at the Appalachian territory map, and he's like, "Why is it this red? <laughs> Why is this crossed off?" <laughs> like, wh- I need someone to serve the lukewarm coffee in the break room. Yeah, and, and I need a new like, soul to well, do that. Well, I tried to get that Johnny kid, but he wasn't having it, and I don't play an instrument. So, Sarah, where did you rank this song? Um, I wound up, like, I st- I could listen to the Devil's Bands section all day, but once Johnny comes in and starts strutting around like he's king shit of Fiddle Mountain, <laughs> um, it's, it's not as awesome, and the song's a little too long. Um, I still like the song, but I had it in fifth place, four points. Whoa, that's now two in a row where you and the patrons completely agree with one another. So they also put it in fifth place and gave it four points. Now, Sarah, you, you might have noticed that I have not yet voiced any opinions about this song. That is because I fucking love this song. And I think that Johnny is a badass. And I think if you have the, if you have, if you have the nads to call the devil a son of a bitch, then I think you're pretty fucking cool. I have always loved this song. I have always thought Johnny was an amazing, insouciant rebel. I think he does a great job of choosing like the perfect Appalachian folk songs to show up the devil. And I just think that even if we quibble on who plays the fiddle better in this song, the fact that he somehow had the confidence to back the devil down is so inspiring i guess I <laughs> like, mean, a, like a successory because he was so annoying <laughs> the devil's like i don't even want this shit <laughs> well i i think that i don't know i think that whatever you do to make the devil leave your soul alone makes you a champ in my book that's i also fair. just think I that's see a, that argument he's a champ i just think of the successories poster where you would have uh, a hand pulling a gold fiddle out of a burning flame and then at the bottom it would say perseverance (laughs) confidence 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 Uh. well sarah i think this song is great i love the drama of it i love the storytelling of it and this is a a week obviously where every song that we're talking about tells a story sarah this is my number one 
Wow. Yes. That is not how I thought that was going to go. I love it so much, this song. I could listen to it at any time. I just think it's... This is the kind how, of... Per- how perfect that Mark's like, I think Johnny's great. And I'm like, um, justice <laughs> for the <laughs> devil. Fuck you, Justice. Perfect. <laughs> you did actually say justice for Mephistopheles. Well... <laughs> You're like I've started this. I've started an Give online an petition. Give unsung rock piano hero some love. That's all I'm saying. You've started a petition at change.org. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'd be the first time that someone's like, "Hey, you know what?" Oh, oh well, that is great. I also just think, you know, I was surp- I even surprised myself because this is a song about a straight guy swaggering, but I just really liked it. Like, come on, yeah, dude. So, Sarah. You bought a Billboard Hits collection so that you could own the song Escape. Yeah. We're about to have, I think, another strong, strong differing of opinions. (laughs) But before we talk about that, let's listen to Escape, parentheses, the Pina Colada song by Rupert Holmes. Yes, let's. Yeah, kind of. Okay, so for <laughs> listeners who maybe are not familiar with this song, the basic plot is this. There is a dude who's sick of his old lady, so he responds to a personal ad that is printed in the newspaper, which I don't even have time to explain all that. If you don't know what that means, Google it. So yeah. he, he sees a personal ad in the paper from a woman who says, do you like pina coladas and making love in the rain? Then let's meet up and have an escape together. So he puts a response ad in the paper because back in the days before the internet, it took like a week and a half to set up your side piece. Um, (laughs) uh, He puts a response ad in the paper. That's like, I do like all of those things. Let's meet up at this Irish bar, which you just know it's the fucking trashiest, most generic old Flannery's Irish bar, which is really run by like some jamoke from Bay Ridge or Bayonne or whatever. A bay. Yeah. So where's the lie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then they, he goes in to meet up with his side piece, only to discover, hey, this is actually my girlfriend who was putting this ad in the paper. We have such terrible communication skills that we don't even know the basic shit about each other. Like we like pina coladas. Like, <laughs> you, would you discuss this shit on date one? I like pina. Like that is I the mean, most. Would that come up? I just feel like it's some. If you've been together long enough that you're living together and you're tired of each other and you still don't know about pina coladas, then guess what? You deserve each other, you incommunicative assholes. So then they're like, Tee-hee. "This is literally from my notes. It's a good thing you two ended up staying together so yeah. that nobody else got stuck with you basics." Seriously, Get therapy. 
Because not only are you basic, like you don't have the basic ability to communicate, you're basic in that your fantasy involves going to a shitty Irish bar and drinking a pina colada. Now, look, I have had a great pina colada in my life, including in Key West, but you know that the pina coladas that y'all like are the ones that cost $19.95 and they come in a giant fish bowl and they get served with the side of goldfish crackers. And sh- what the f- get the fuck out of here with that? And so. The other thing that makes me crazy about this song... I would prefer it if you called me David. Shut up, Anne. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. Exactly. This is and. Oh, the and. Oh, God. It's probably also incestuous, but I wouldn't be surprised if this family tree doesn't fork with these two losers. Anyway. (laughs) Wow. Rupert Holmes, who wrote and performed this song, went on to write some excellent musicals, including The Mystery of Edwin Drood, and he did some work on the musical Curtains. Those are great musicals. He's a Tony Award winner. He found a lane for his musical storytelling in the musical theater. But here, old Holmesy demonstrates, for one thing, that he cannot sing at all. He's got like what I would best describe as a parakeet's, parakeet's sad squawk. He has the range of less than a fifth. He also approximates some sort of carnival cruise line version of calypso with the instrumentation here and it's like again this is the it's like yes of course this is mall calypso this is you're drinking a pina colada in a while wearing a hawaiian shirt that's really scratchy because the material is so shitty the song is so air sats i hate it so much last place one point <laughs> all right look <laughs> My ranking is indefensible, so I won't try to defend it. I will add, no one likes getting caught in the rain. That's only in songs. That's no true. No one likes that. Step off of yoga. You don't know anything. Those dunes are eroding. Get a room. I know a guy in a hard song who works at a hotel who can probably get you a good price. Find something else to rhyme with escape because it has cape already in the word. That's cheating. Mm. You're both assholes. <laughs> Go to therapy in another state. However, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know yet. the song is bad. Nothing Mark is saying is untrue. Number two, seven points. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Also, I don't really like pina coladas that much, just so you know. <laughs> Let's not let it get to that point. I don't really so, care for them. <laughs> Thank you. See, now look at us. We're communicating. We have clarity. Um, yeah. What is, so in spite of all of this, what is it that draws you to the song? Um, just a, a long time of having it in my life. Fair. Fair. You know? Like, yeah. it's one of those, like, very occasionally the light FM station would play, like, even in the 80s. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, because you didn't really hear story songs in pop as much. Right, right. And even though everyone in this story is a dink. And the idea that you would, like, I don't know, like, beach fucking is overrated anyway. In my opinion, there's just sand and there's a lot of orifices and it's, I don't know, it's not great. <laughs> I would prefer a hotel room, but also like you're going to fall off the edge of it into the sea and you're going to deserve it because there's (laughs) signs up that tell you not to walk on there. That also means don't fuck on there. 
But you know what? Now that you all know that you love each other again or whatever, can tolerate each other, book yourself the cheapest sandals vacation <laughs> and go drink your watery fucking pina colada. It's, not even, it's like a single sandal. <laughs> we had a sandal vacation. Do you mean sandals? We went to fl- you know, flip-flop. Nothing's included. <laughs> oh, God. We went to the Florida Key. Do you mean the key, the Florida Keys? No, the Florida Key. It's this it's this shitty hotel that's actually in Pensacola. It's all we can <laughs> oh, afford. Oh god. <laughs> um, I was going to say Jacksonville, but yeah, Pensacola, just as bad. <laughs> you did bring up that uh earlier that the devil had a whole lot of souls to pull from in the 70s. This song also again from 79 and on our Patreon page where we were polling people, we had a commenter from uh, we had a comment from Jen M who said I wanted to point out what a large portion of these songs are from the late 70s. Was that the era of dubious decisions? To which Dawn responded, speaking for myself, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Was that the era of dubious decisions? Speaking for myself, yes. (laughs) Probably. I mean, you really do have... These are all older songs. Like, you don't really necessarily have anything from, I don't know, 2008, where you're like, that's not how we do things, yeah. people. The, the storytelling song has migrated almost exclusively to country music now, and mainstream pop is no longer the era, is no longer the, the, the place where you will hear these songs. Like, you won't hear a share song about a gypsy on, on mainstream pop of 2020. Um, the term is Roma, and no, you won't. I'm so sorry. You're right. <laughs> more's, more's the pity. Roma, sex-positive uh, women, and thieves. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Should we move on to the song that started all of this? Oh, oh well, wait. let me say that Where the, the patrons, patrons put... Yep. The patrons put the song in fourth place and gave it five huh. points. That is interesting. I would have expected a more... For it to be more polarizing. Mm. Mm. For people, well, actually, I thought they would like it more. <laughs> that's it. That's interesting. I thought you would like it more. I didn't think you would despise it to this level. But I, I have to this say, this is I, why in our marriage things don't get boring because you just never right. know. <laughs> I have to say, it wasn't until I sat down and really thought about the song for this episode that I realized I really hate it. Before I had just tolerated it because I didn't think about it that much, and it's not a song that I was ever actively seeking out. And so when I would hear it in ambient ways it was fine (laughs) and then i found out that sometimes to love something it is best to love it from afar (laughs) i agree um which is what we'll be doing with both the gambler and kenny rogers because my god how dumb is buncey i did not realize until prepping the song which i have probably heard conservatively 150 times in my life the dude dies. Yeah. He's, Which I he's, guess means we're supposed to forgive him for finishing off Kenny's whiskey. I don't. Here's a clip. I can see you're out of aces for a taste of your whiskey. i give you some advice. So I handed him my bottle and he drank down my last swallow. Rude. Then he bombed a cigarette Rude. and asked me for a light. Rude. And the night got deathly quiet. And his face lost all expression. Said, if you're going to play the game, boy, you got to learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold it. Know when to fold 
I guess we didn't need the whole chorus, but I personally always need the chorus. <laughs> um, this is just a really smart, fairly simple, straight ahead song. Like there is a key change right after this. Uh, Kenny's not fucking around. So let's review. <laughs> In exchange for finishing your whiskey and taking one of your cigarettes and not even having a light... <laughs> I will give you some unsolicited advice, which is fucking annoying. Thank you. Unsolicited is right. Who asked you, dude? Don't gamble splain to me. I'm just trying to sleep on this overnight train. It's uncomfortable enough. And now I don't have any booze with which to deal with the fact that there is now a dead fucking body (laughs) in my train compartment. Seriously, I can't even take the edge off of sharing space with a corpse with some good old Jack Daniels because this dead motherfucker drank it all. Oh my god. I mean, look. So that sucks for the narrator who I think probably, I'm just picturing the narrator like staring at that one like drop of bourbon sort of sloshing around to the bottom and being like, god damn it, buddy. (laughs) But This is an all-time classic sing-along song. There is a reason that there were all those, like, gambler puns made when Rogers passed. It's pretty good metaphorizing. It holds up. It seems pretty facile now, but this is like a master class on how you do it. There's a great build. It's great harmony. Um, It inspired five TV movies. There's a death. (laughs) I mean, like... Did he ever write a follow-up to this that is like, and here's what happened when we stopped in Wichita and the coroner had to come on the train? Like, I kind of wish there had been a follow-up. Um, the the gambler is a douche, but may he rest. And may Kenny Rogers rest. Uh, I'm so glad he brought this song into the culture. I listened to it another four times while prepping this episode. It's my number one. Eight points. Ooh, Yes. Um, I want to point out, I think it's interesting that, as the charts often do, uh, they don't reflect the staying power of this song. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Rogers had a shit ton of top ten hits, but The Gambler, though it was a number one hit for three weeks on the country charts, stopped on the pop charts at number 16. And you want to talk about a song that has far outstripped its chart placement. This is a really great example. Yeah. Um... Okay, that said, (laughs) of course, I know the chorus to this song. I don't believe I've ever seen any of the five TV movies that Kenny Rogers starred in called The Gambler. Yeah, that's an unfortunate (laughs) side industry. The Gambler 5, Ace is Low. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) I know. Never hit on 17. I've just, which is also uh, because it's statutory rave. Yeah, that's good advice, generally. from heart like how old was that guy this is another question i have here anyway i just hmm. kenny rogers seems like he was a very nice man oh boy a story that one of our patrons last a a story that one of our patrons told in the mark and sarah talk about songs happy hour makes him seem like an awesome man yes it's not our story to tell but just know that the Kenny Rogers was once really nice to cousin Shug. That's all yeah, I'm going to say. And look, a man stands up and Kenny Rogers stood up. And obviously we have talked before about the exquisite 
uh, Islands in the Stream and that country and that Christmas song, A Christmas to Remember, and they're like <laughs> grooming each other's pubes on a bearskin rug. I'll never forget talking about that. Oh, God, I forgot about that aspect. Which I refer to later as sensual grooming. Oh, God. <laughs> that being said, without a Dolly Parton there, the lack of personality in Kenny Rogers singing to me gets harder to overlook. And I have mm. no, I have been reading tributes. I know that there are people who find Kenny Rogers to have a sort of gruff honesty in his voice. I don't agree. I think he is a competent, colorless beige wall of a singer. I think that he told a lot of great stories in his songs. The gambler, like he's that gambler is a dick, but it is an interesting story. But I just don't think that. For me, Kenny Rogers as a country singer is charismatic enough to make it land. So even though I know the chorus, I'm not mad at the song. I do appreciate that it's good songwriting. I have to put the song in sixth place, three points. Huh. Okay. But you put it in first, and you and the patrons are just riding through this wave of life together because they also put it in first. Yeah. I mean, look, it inspired this episode, so attention must be paid, but... I don't disagree with you. And in fact, I think that there are Kenny Rogers hits you could point to where his voice did not serve the material and um, that the material actually made him look bad through the years is just a <laughs> it's just a barf salad. I hate it so much. <laughs> but we're what not do you here think about a about song that. like um, when he sings a song like Lady Lady. It's just almost like a parody. It's so yeah, it raspy. Is. That song is so cheesy. And in a way, it's his voice is perfect for that song because it's got that Lionel Richie cheese on it. And well, he, but he sounds like a lounge singer in that song. And, well, uh, and it just sounds like he actually believes that he's crying, which is like, I can't decide what's worse, that this is ersatz or that you have bought into your own bullshit. Yes. So through the years, same problem. And again, Kenny Rogers seemed like he was awesome. Obviously, Dolly Parton does not express love for someone who's not worthy. <clears throat> One would hope not. And uh, I just think that he, uh, he's, he's like I said, beige wall. Anyway, you know who's not a beige wall, who's very charismatic in any situation? Elton John. And that brings us to the number two peaking single from his titular and iconic double album, Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Here is a clip. kind of a long clip but i wanted to get sort of the full range of the narrator's um take for lack of a better word i also wanted to i think that we forget that elton john could really fucking sing and yeah. this song like a lot of stuff off this album uh, really reminds you that this is for whatever else that he has come to stand for 
um, which is all great or, you know, annoying, depending on how you feel about the Princess Di military industrial complex, um, that he really was a and is a great musician. Um, this is, I feel, the most complicated and like least impeachable narrator or hero that that is on uh that is under discussion i also feel like i should point out i didn't realize this until this morning i misread the comment in the original patreon post where we asked for suggestions the person who suggested this song actually was saying this is for a different topic altogether but i just always am irritated that people say that this is a love song when it isn't so it was never even actually suggested as a song that should be in this episode. Okay. But here we are. So I think it's interesting, though, because you need a control in any experiment. And I think he, in this song, is performing as a non-dubious hero, but instead someone that I kind of like. So well, I he's think the you control. Still, I think you could still say that it's... I mean, this is an unreliable narrator, for sure. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the depth and texture of this narrator just in the clip... That we heard, like, this is a young, um, bitter, um, like, has no perspective on the situation person who is sort of lashing out. Uh, but at the same time, the, like, the hurt, the pained contempt in sniffing for tidbits like you. Mm. like you like it's not a good look for the narrator but it's extremely relatable and keeping in mind that this is this is an extremely queer story that on top of everything else this person i like in my conception of the narrator is like doesn't feel able to really complain at top voice about yes. what has become of him and is being sort of like re self exiling to a countryside that will not um, greet him with open arms based on his sexuality or his sexual orientation. So uh, there is so much going on in this song. And on top of that, you have the most overt Judy Garland reference possible and it's hard not to want to just hug this guy because, yeah, you know. And one thing that I think is so great about having the song in this episode is that we're going to get to a song later that is also about the moment you realize that your dreams are not working out for you. Uh, this is the better version of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just spoiler. I think it is so poignant in all of, for all the reasons you just described that we're hearing from someone who has so much passion and so much life inside of him, but who has learned that the thing he was trying to point that passion toward is going to destroy him. And the bitter sense of dejection that one has to contend with when one realizes that one has pointed one's ship toward the wrong star. And yeah. all he knows or to do... that he's like, I can't be bought. And then he has to acknowledge that he was bought. Yes. And then he was returned. And he he was used maliciously by people who didn't have his best interests in mind, and he is now trying to salvage his sense of dignity by railing against those people, but also acknowledging that he was naive and perhaps a lot of other things that allowed him to be taken advantage of. And now, like you said, all he has to do now, in his anger and his hurt and his 
wounded sense of pride, all he can do is go home. And he's trying to convince himself. I've always heard it as he's trying to convince himself that that's what he wants. Yeah. But it isn't what he wants. Or that he has agency here. And he's like, did you hear me? I'm leaving. And this, you know, guy on his private plane is like, could you speak up? I can't hear you over the roar of the engines and the popping of champagne corks. And he's like, well, shit. And I the mean, two new twinks that I've got on this plane yeah. that replaced you in one second. Yeah. Um, I want to say, too, this song also works great from a woman's perspective. There is a fabulous singer-songwriter named Yola, Y-O-L-A, who I learned about because she was a Best New Artist Grammy nominee last year. She is so great, and she has a wonderful cover of this song on her album. Uh, It's wonderful, and she injects it with a lot of deep blues ache, and it just demonstrates the sturdiness of this song. So... I am now realizing as we talk about it that perhaps I should have let this song go higher than number three because yeah. <laughs> let's be honest, it is a much better song than all yeah, I want to do is make love same, to you. I had the same reaction, but, but the fact is it's at number four for me. Yeah. I think that it, I think it's because there's something in this ranking where I kept if a song was outre and singable, I gave it some bonus points. <laughs> like the Charlie Daniels band song, the heart song, they're so over the top. And I felt like I wanted to reward them for that in this ranking. Oh, but I'm at the not end ranking of the day, based on relative um, defensibility of narrator. I'm ranking on song. Oh, see, and I am. I was sort of being pulled by. Do I like this song? I have to like it. But then also, ooh, is this song kind of like over the top in a way that I dig? Then I, I think that's what helped those two songs sneak past Goodbye oh, Yellow Brick sure. Road. That was my rationale in Escape, too. That it's like, these people are horrible. I'm glad I never have to hang out with them. Yeah. I could play all the parts of this song, including the waves. In the the language of another type of ranking, perhaps Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, would not have been bested by All I Want to Do, I Make Love to You, or Escape the Pina Colada (laughs) song. But here we are. You put it in fourth place. I put it in third. And the patrons put it in second place, giving it seven yeah. points from them, six points from me, five They're probably right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we messed up. That's why we have you guys. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm also never going to turn off the heart song. So it, it's a complicated world that we live in, full of ambiguities. <laughs> well, it is and it isn't, because he, here's something that's unambiguous about our next song. <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> I am speaking, of course, of the Bee Gees. I started a joke. D- did ya? Let's hear a clip. I looked at the skies Running miles Over my eyes I mean, look, this, like the the forced weepy quaver, 
is a disaster. Like, this whole thing is just a disaster. I mean, however, I feel like maybe one could argue that this was satire. I don't think it is. And because it is not, because it is like a Thomas Keene painting got stuck in Robin Gibbs' throat... Um, alas, here we all are. But like, there was one summer I was like 14 or something and my parents had a ton of records and I was like, I'm going to listen to each and every one of them, all the classical ones, all the, like, I don't know why they had so much Bachman Turner overdrive. (laughs) Apparently my mother is like the librarian of the BTO club. Anywho, there was also a lot of like Simon and Garfunkel and hot nuts and stuff that was awesome in there, but it was like, I was looking at this Bee Gees, like, what's with the turtlenecks? Where, you know, what? And they were lovely singers, and there was like a psychedelic folk thing happening in Britpop, and it was fine. But I heard this song, and like, I had to go and lift the needle and listen to it again, because I was like, is this a, like, is this a joke? Like, is this the joke you started? Because he gets to the, he's like, I finally died. And then everyone could be happy. And I was like, oh, barf, get counseling. (laughs) (laughs) This is really, you know, not terribly uh, empathetic of me. But (laughs) Robin, get out of bed, put pants on, go into your village and find a psychiatrist. Because this is out of control now. Also, no, no one wants to hear your dream last night. (laughs) I mean, it it's bad. It it brought me great joy to listen to it again and realize how terrible it is. Like, I didn't clip this part, but there is this gargly wail of despair at the end that's like, guys, what are you doing? <sighs> Number seven, two points. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't you tell didn't you tell me that there was some like horrible story about robin gibb dying oh my god i read this on wikipedia and i felt like a complete anus for writing so many shitty notes about this song after i read it but if i'm not mistaken robin gibb passed away um complications of colorectal cancer and his son robin john was present and went through his phone and found this song and played it through his phone which he placed on his father's like sternum and just and everyone sang this song and um had a moment which i think given that connection is like that's lovely and it, that's about a, a moment with family and not about the song right i do feel or the meaning of guilty the song. for like buying crap to dump on this song but oh god like it really I think that this there is probably a subgenre from the late 60s of songs like this that are like so excessively pathetic. Actually, um, Alone Again Naturally from 1972 oh. is like this. And he's like... Gilbert O'Sullivan, yeah, yes. Yeah, it's just like, it's such florid um, ideation of self-harm that... You, Bathetic, it, I think, also it, counts yes, here. Yes, it's kind of an you know, eye roller and especially the Gilbert O'Sullivan, which is like, like it's just sort of this, like you think he's on a penny farthing. Like why so cheery if you're throwing yourself off a tower? Um, But yeah, this, this song is really with apologies to the entire G 
apparatus. This song is so outre that it comes back around to being kind of unbearable. Um, and yet it is fun to make fun of. I am sorry, Gib family. Well, the, the patrons agreed with you once again and put this song in seventh place. I, I really am amazed at the, the sync that you find yourself <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, this is a first for sure. Now, you might be thinking, Mark, how did this song end up on your ranking being a place higher than The Gambler? Well, <laughs> one thing I do want to point out, it is so interesting to me that this is a Bee Gees hit from their pre-disco era. They uh-huh. did have hits before they were disco yeah, artists. Yeah, no, they had so many, many hits. This song reached number six in 1969, well before Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, the and Bee Gees featured... were a BFD before disco, for sure. Yeah, like they they became permanently uh, embedded into the cultural memory because of disco, but they didn't start with disco, certainly. And the uh, the fact that Robin sings the lead on this instead of Barry, also something worth remarking on, because it sure as fuck didn't happen once they hit that falsetto era. And... You're not wrong, Sarah. Like, the vocal in this song is a disaster. <laughs> like, it's just a disaster. I have, we've talked about this he on the He doesn't have uh, a bad voice, let me be clear. Like, he could have sung this straight and it would have been but acceptable. But you could, but... a warble like this is like a challenge at a mini golf course where you try to get the ball through the shaky, shaky tires yeah. or whatever. Like, warbling it's just, is perfect. It's just, ugh. So I find the song actually unpleasant to listen to. And yet (laughs) in the song, I hear the potential for a really awesome ballad of remorse for a villain in a musical in the second act. Mm. And the drama of the song, I feel like would actually be kind of awesome if someone who wasn't warbling all the time could find some real sadness in it when he or she realized that uh, his or her actions had caused a lot of pain. And then as they understand that their death is going to bring joy to a lot of other people. Yeah. And now, if you put this in a lower register, perhaps. Yeah. And exactly, exactly. So I just think I also have a soft spot for grandiloquence, honestly. <laughs> uh, is that the word I'm looking for? You know, I just have a soft spot for Jim Steinman excess. And uh, this song approaches that. So that's why I ultimately put it in fifth place and gave it four points. Interesting. Now, Baffling, the next song... but interesting. The, I mean, it's, talk to me tomorrow. I might change my ranking on mm. that one. But that's how I felt at the time. So next we come to a song... Oh, God. ...that gets from me, Sarah, the elusive F and A. It is both an F and an A. <laughs> it's just... I'm talking about I've Never Been to Me by Charlene. I, the I, F is not, does not stand for feminist. I could tell you that for no. free. Okay, so this song was originally written by men. Surprise, surprise. Uh, it's written by men. It was originally released by Charlene in 1977, but it wasn't until 1982 when a Florida DJ started playing it on the radio. <laughs> That it became a hit. And then Charlene became the first ever white solo female to have a top 10 hit on the Motown label when this song reached number three in 82. <sighs> Before we go into what the song is about, let's hear a clip from I've Never Been to Me. But you know what truth is? It's that little baby you're holding, and it's that man you fought with this morning, the same one you're going to make love with tonight. That's true. That's love. Sometimes. 
Sarah, God bless you for choosing the perfect clip. <laughs> I am like oh, too weighed down with <laughs> everything that is like sexist and shitty and wrong about this song to even get all that fired up. Like I've I've got some rage for Johnny, but this just makes me exhausted. People are allowed to be dis. Okay, this is th- this is at least the second time where unsolicited advice. Yes, yes. Like, hey, narrators, eyes on your own fucking paper. So, if if you don't know the song, listeners, what happens is she goes up to this woman, uh, clearly does not know her, and then just keeps saying, "Hey, lady, I need to tell you that you're making mistakes." And then she even says at some point. Please, lady, don't just walk away. As in, man, this is an Arby's. I'm just trying to enjoy my curly fries. And she's like, no, 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 let me tell you. And you're like, who is this crazy just woman? Just imagining like, this woman like hurling her children into the shopping cart and being like, you know what? We'll get the milk later. We got to get away from this nutcake. And she's like, no, I have to tell you, I was subtly whoring. Champagne, I- it's <laughs> terrible. Like, hey, Charlene, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. And I just... I mean, people have. I, 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 I cut you off, Sarah. Carry on. People are allowed to be dissatisfied with their lives. Yes. Even if they are, uh, and you're correct about that, this is, in fact, an Arby's, and it is none of your fucking business. Shut it. While you're shutting it, stick your nose in an encyclopedia. Greece is not an island. You're doing paradise wrong if you can't find anything to enjoy about drinking champers and fucking rich dudes. Because there's, there's plenty there. Okay? I, we all heard Ye- Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Sometimes these things do have a price. But I really, really, really resent this binary choice to wit. I didn't have kids. So... Everything else I did is completely worthless and, in fact, an indictment of me as a human being. Don't make the same mistake I did. Pull the goalie and get pregnant. Fuck you! Eighth place, one point. I'm glad to see that you did have a little rage. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, also, I will say, the vocal... It's unfortunate because... What vocal? Charlene could probably sing. But this is a simper fest on top of being some schlafly horse shit. So, yeah. I, I mean, if there, if I could give it, like, 19th place and, like, a 19th of a point, I would. But I can't. Last. Um, yeah, so you're so right about all of this. And mostly I just feel... 
Well, I'm I'm shocked at how this woman has clearly gone insane, <laughs> and that she won't leave this other woman alone. Yeah, let's you're... talk about deinstitutionalization for just a couple minutes. I also feel sad for her that she has so internalized the misogynistic rhetoric of conservative America that was rolling around mm. in the late seventies and early eighties. Yeah. And that she has been drinking the champagne, apparently, all night and into the next morning. If she's like, doesn't that seem like that's the situation? She's like drunk with a misbuttoned silk blouse at the Piggly Wiggly. (laughs) And like, look, I get it. It is very easy. No matter what, no matter what road you're on, it is very easy to look at someone else's road and think, ah, I would be so much happier if I had done that. Yeah. If I had had a baby and weren't partying all the time, I would be happier. Whereas clearly the woman with the baby in this song is like, God, I wish I had not been tied down with this loaf of bread that shits and it's angry daddy. (laughs) And like, you know, I get it. Everybody goes through moments where the grass is greener on the other side of the ovary. Who's a little shitting loaf? Is that you? And like, you know, I've never wanted to have children. And obviously, as a gay man, I would have to work really hard to make that happen for myself. And I just have never had any interest. And I think that was a perfectly fine choice. And I've had people in my life. I had a friend say to me once, God bless him. He was so young when he said this. But wow, you're the first person I've ever met who says that they don't want children. And I actually think you mean it. And I'm like, what? And he said, yeah, I just feel like people always say that they don't want children because they don't have them. And they feel like they have to cover up their sadness. And I'm like... Wow, you need to meet more people. Wow. <laughs> like, there are so yeah, many people really in the world do. who don't want to have children. That w- that was a moment. This was a friend of mine who's ten years younger than me, and we worked together. And he was in his early twenties still, and I was like, ah, okay, your youth is very apparent because you're still seeing the world as existing, like you were saying earlier, in a binary. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so all of that said. I feel sad that this woman got suckered by this belief that there's only one good way to live and that she didn't get in on it. And that she, you know, there are plenty of songs that have been written in the world, uh, including Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, about going after the so-called high life and realizing it lays you low. But it's not like it's impossible to be happy and not have what this woman has. It's also not like it's impossible to feel these things and not bring a stranger into it in an aggressive way. (laughs) I also have this theory... (laughs) This song was written in the late 70s, like I said, and it was uh, written around the time that a song like Coward of the County by Kenny Rogers, bringing him up again, was popular. That is a song about a man who is perceived by his town as being a coward until his wife or girlfriend gets raped, and then he beats the shit out of the three guys who do it, which is, to me, actually this really gross use of rape as a tool for conferring masculinity on a man. And it just underscores the notion that woman, women are property that men own and control. And I feel like that, that it's no accident that songs like that and like this were being written in the late 70s when there was a certain conservative streak that was starting to rebel against the queer, feminine, and non-white uh, explosion of the culture. Yeah. And these these songs presage the arrival of Reagan America, Reagan's America, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And the idea that it's like, well, the pill gave you agency, but look who's crying now. Like, yeah, exactly. Everyone's crying because everyone's life is hard in different ways. Oh, God, you're so right. Now, so that being said, I did say that this song is an F and an A. It is an F for all of those reasons. It is an A 
for a reason that I would like to read. I would like to point out uh, was also mentioned by a commenter at Patreon. Randy. Okay. He says, I know where this is going. For those of us who are gays of a certain age, the soundtrack to The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, was in heavy rotation. Sure. The movie came out when I was an undergrad, and my housemates and I would play it nonstop while smoking and drinking and playing cards. So, of course, I had to vote for Charlene. The spoken word bridge to this day inspires impassioned lip singing. That's truth. That's love. Yeah. And And look, this is a karaoke showstopper, even when... um, the selector of the song is completely overmatched. And in fact, especially under those circumstances. Um, yes. So this song is just so perfect for camp yeah, mockery. I agree. That I actually, it is because it's so sincere in its insanity. And it's just exactly what camp is for. So that is why it also gets an A for me. And that is why I put it ultimately in fourth place and gave it five points. I'll and uh, <laughs> thank you. And again, please know it is an ironic fourth. <laughs> and the patrons put it in sixth place, giving it three points. Huh. All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Now I want to read before we get to Teen Angel, our final song by Mark Dinning, which was a number one hit. It was his only hit. And then sadly he died of alcohol related causes uh, not long after. Yeah. Um, Camille M. says, I had to give Teen Angel a vote, and she was, in fact, the only patron who voted for this song. (laughs) I had to give Teen Angel a vote, if only because it is possibly my dad's least favorite song of all time. Amazing. I am aware that it is terrible, but my dad has never, but my dad was never that vocal about his musical taste. So anything that could inspire enough passion in him has to be deserving of a vote. And I'm just like, you know what? I'll buy that. Good rationale. Um, Clearly, I'm tipping my hand that the patrons put this in last place since only Camille voted for it. But before we go any further, let's listen to a clip from Teen Angel. Um, I will also note that the bulk of my notes on this are, wow, I really understand why this is the my mother's most hated song of all time. So Camille's <laughs> dad and my mom um, need to pick each other up on the side of the road. Just kidding. That would be horrible. Here's Teen Angel. was it you were looking for that took your life that night They said they found my high school ring Clutched in your fingers tight Teen angel, can you hear me? Teen angel, can you see me? Are you somewhere? have talked before about the subgenre of pop music that's like the death car or like people killed by trains this is on the american graffiti soundtrack which we listen to as a matter of routine on car trips as a family um i love the whole thing even the songs that i don't like i love but my mother would literally plug her ears when teen angel came on fortunately it's fairly short um I did not learn until adulthood that this was sung not by Margot Dinning, but by a man. And that changes the whole thing. That makes it worse for me Mm. because presumably he's singing to um, his dead lover 
presumably a girl. It was the 50s or 60s after all. Who Well, and a girl who who got he pulled her out of a car that had stalled on a railroad track so that she could avoid being hit by a moving train. Right. But then she apparently decided that she had to go back so she could grab his class ring. Yeah, like which I guess she had on a like probably had on a chain around her neck and it fell off while they were grinding or whatever was happening on a train track like everybody here is very stupid but that's not a that's not a melodramatic thing that a teenage girl does like i think she would be freaking out about the ring but she wouldn't run back to the car so right that that doesn't work and then he has all the survivor's guilt because the ring was clutched in her hand like there was no hand Okay. Yeah. Or or she got hit by a train. Fifty feet away, and the rest of her was a grease spot. Like not to be disgusting, but she got hit by a fucking train. Hello. Yeah. And like whatever shitty little car they were in in the late fifties, early sixties, it wasn't built to withstand a train. There was not an airbag. There was probably not even a seatbelt. Um. This is very. This is a very um like bathetic song the answer me please at the end is like <laughs> i got an answer for you come over here i want to talk to you but it, it gets stuck in my head and i will substitute other lyrics so instead of like teen angel i'm like bad kitty can you hear me can you see me <laughs> are are you listening do you speak any english stop clawing that chair with like whatever it is um so it's a very like it's a very pernicious song and i don't i can't quite hate it i just it's just one of those um it's one of those stories where you're like it makes you wonder how you got out of being an adolescent alive because teenagers are so dumb not not excluding myself either but it's like let's you know i need your ring i'm just gonna run back towards this oncoming train like oh my god teen angel you are a moron but i still put it in sixth place three points it (laughs) won't help um this song also i find i find it fascinating that it was written by mark dinning's sister Jean. oh yeah like where okay, did I, girl. Was that in the um, stereo gum thing about this? It was. Yeah. But then I also have this book, the Billboard Book of Number One Hits, and uh, I, I read a little bit more in depth because there's an interview with Gene in the book that huh. I have that he also clearly references uh, Tom Bryan, who writes the column. And actually, his column on this song was filled with errors, uh, like just like factual errors, and it's also super short. He hadn't quite figured out the column at mm. this point, but. But she, like, heard the phrase Teen Angel and then wrote this song. And I just think, like, I'm glad it stayed in the family. I don't know. Like you said, Sarah, I don't hate this song. It's just kind of a it's, – it's, it's an inoffensive melody that does get stuck in one's head. And the protagonists are both stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Seventh yeah. place, two points. Yeah. Last place from the patrons, one point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, I've now already done the math, if you'd like to just hear our final rankings. Uh, I would. Okay. So, in last place are the two dolts of Teen Angel, <laughs> yeah. with a mere six points. Mm-hmm. In seventh place, with eight points, is uh, the quavering voice of Robin Gibb, and yeah. I started a joke. 
in yeah. sixth in sixth place, largely because of my need to enjoy it as a piece of camp, with nine points is I've never been to me. Uh huh. And then we go from nine all the way up to thirteen points for fifth place with Escape, the Pina Colada song. Okay. And then in fourth place with sixteen points, the devil went down to Georgia. Huh. Interesting. And then in third place with eighteen points on the podium, goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Okay. And then in a tie for first, we're gonna split the gold between the gambler and all I wanna do is make love to you. Huh. That is not how I thought that was gonna go. <laughs> I mean, it's not totally not how I thought it was gonna go, but it's yeah. That was interesting. I am. That um, was interesting. The relative performance of the Pina Colada song surprised me, and yeah. the yeah, like I, you and I in our and the ranking episode about songs we or, no whatever our last week ranking episode was, we agreed a lot. Not yeah. so much today. <laughs> no. I think the universe has, uh, you know, ba- back in balance with us uh, diverging rather strongly. But I do stuff. think that but we I'm, can agree. I'm glad that I was arm in arm with the Patreons on so many yes, things. Yes, you sure were. And I feel confident that the two biggest shitheads we talked about today were the asshole who drank all of Kenny's whiskey and the <laughs> asshole who fucked a guy that she didn't know <laughs> just so that she could maybe have a baby. Yeah. and And then... We didn't really talk about this as much, but like, and then preemptively is like, oh, I don't want to have a relationship with you. My focus is on the baby. He's like, no one asked. Yeah. Also, Fuck off. please get out of my motel. <laughs> Ma'am, this is a red roof in. You know what? I got a woman down the hall who's yelling at one of my customers about how she was a subtle whore. I don't need this. There's, there's also a dead body that rolled off a train that didn't slow down. There's yeah. a lot going on. Figure shit out. <laughs> Hit the yellow brick road if you don't like it. And I've got two people in the on the third floor who keep complaining that we don't have pina coladas. Like, lady, I'm dealing with a lot. Your eyes are all wet now. You know that I'm lying. I swear I was only protecting your heart But there are some reasons And also some pictures Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash massdass.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of the podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash massdass. And as always, thank you for listening. And fairly good looking So people, they trust me But sometimes they're wrong I have often wondered Which one was the taller My old Alexander Or Kublai Khan Thank you.
about songs They talk, talk, talk about Talk about songs Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.